Last weekend, we were all witnesses to an incredible weekend of football, and I'm not just talking about Aaron Rodgers leading the Packers to a win in that second half over the Bears. Not only did the Jaguars come away with a win against Tom Coughlin's former team, but the rest of the AFC South squads all lost, leaving Jacksonville alone at the top of the division. And who comes to town this week? The New England Patriots. My name is Blythe, and I'm the owner of Brumley Brands, which helps companies with custom website solutions designed to reach their business goals. I'm also the co-host here in Jacksonville on a sports show called Helmets and Heels. Coming up this week, New England at Jacksonville won't be a playoff rematch yet, but it is a rematch of the two teams who squared off last season's AFC Championship game. Bill Belichick's winning percentage in the month of December is 83%, but in September, it's a measly 66%. So I expect some experimentation for both squads that could potentially meet again in this year's playoffs. Listen as the ladies of Helmets and Heels discuss the Jags' first big win of the season against the Giants, how we think the squad will perform against the Pats, plus a lively debate on the NFL viewing experience versus college football. Side note, if you like this show and you actually want to watch us have the same discussions, look for us on YouTube by searching Guys Girl Media. I started this brand back in 2009, and for each Helmets and Heels show, we live stream the entire thing, plus you get to see some additional behind-the-scenes action. So if you like listening to the show, chances are you'll like watching it too. Now let's dive into some football things. Jaguars v. Patriots, I just have to know, you're going to the game on Sunday at least for the first half. What will you be wearing? It depends. The answer is whatever fits. <laughs> it, it depends on something that I might be in the works with, so mm. depends. Mm. It'll be really hot at the game, too. What These shorts you see me wearing is what I will be wearing. The top is still yet to be the top. determined. Yes. See? That's why I'm curious as to what you're really made of. Yes. So but we'll I will be going. I'll be, I'll be attending with my mama who will have her Brady shirt on. Mm. Which so. that's allowed for your mom because mm-hmm. your mom is yeah. a sweet and wonderful person who's from up there. And I'm, and I'm hoping. We've tried to convert you. And I'm hoping that the, all the fan base that we will hear comments from, because I know that we will hear it all, um, just take it easy on my mama and the prego, okay? That's all. I, Just take it easy on us. If fans are rude to a very pregnant woman, <laughs> well, that, that's my own fault that is for going, going this a, pregnant. So well, I guess it's, it's <laughs> I only fault of going Patriots though. All right, the Jaguars beat the Giants twenty to fifteen up in New Jersey. I always want to say New York. But well, it's easy to do. Yeah, in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Blythe, is there such a thing as an ugly win in the NFL? Uh, I mean, I think you got to win the ugly ones. But it is the good thing for us is that it's it's not college football. The win counts the same as it would in, in the same column, and and so we're one and zero, undefeated. And it's just, uh, I, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that. Right before halftime, we were winning, I think uh, it was like 13 to 10 at some point, or maybe even, uh, I think it was, it was 13 to 10, and everybody in, at, at our watch party was complaining, and I'm like, wow, what a time to be alive, that this point last year, or even any other season, we wouldn't be complaining about a lead going into halftime, we would be ecstatic, and everybody was just sort of like, just grumpy about winning going into the half, and then of course the Jaguars end up coming away with the W, and so... It was a little sloppy, but I think that's to be expected with September football. I mean, a lot of coaches, you'll hear them publicly say now that, that, that September football is just an extension of the preseason. And so I think that you're going to see a lot of sloppy play from not just the Jaguars, but from teams all over. 13 to 6, although it should have been 15 to 6 because that should have been a safety there. Two safeties on the same play. Well, but yeah, either one would have, would have worked. Lauren, what do you think? Do you think the Giants are a little bit better than we thought? Um, No, I don't think so. I think the. 
defense did exactly what we thought they would do. We, we were fortunate enough to see them secure the game by getting uh, the pick six. I think the offense still has questions. I still have questions about the offense, and I think Doug Marone still has questions about the offense, and I think Blake Bortles probably does as well, and Nathaniel Hackett, fan, uh, shout out. He's a uh, fan of Helmet and Hills. Hope he's listening tonight. I would assume they do as well because the reality is we don't know on Tuesday right now at 6.05 what the status is of Leonard Fournette. They might have a better idea than we are. I don't expect them to let it on to anything. I would be saying the exact same thing, and it could be the truth. The truth could be uh, the doctors that have reported before have said that this is not a big deal and he's walking around and all the things. Yes, but uh, the hamstring injury is one or tw- tweak or or you know pull whatever it is whatever name they're giving it is not one that is detrimental and keeps you out because your legs hanging on by a thread it's one that flares up and for a running back who has to cut who has to um use that part of his body as it simple as it sounds it can be one that's really obnoxious and flare up in a moment's notice right he takes one bad cut and he's walking over the sidelines going bothered me again so so i think for me i look i was relieved they got up I, I was relieved they won i picked against them again not because i wanted them to lose or because i was cheering for the giants that's not the way it works it's because i legitimately thought that new york it was going to be on the road uh in a place where um between these two teams the home team has won all the time at, at to that point had won all those series but um, offensively, there's some questions that they, they've got to try to figure out between now and when the Patriots come to town on Sunday. Donna, you get to watch an offense that is better than virtually every offense that's ever existed in the Patriots. Do you think that the Jaguars' offense has a chance this weekend to go toe-to-toe with the Patriots? Well, they're not playing the Jags' defense, so yeah. I mean, it's the, the scary part mm-hmm. is this defense. It's so similar to the second half of last year of what we saw. I mean, the defense has picked it up exactly where they left off. They're just so sick. They are so much fun to watch. I can't... They didn't allow a third and 18, thankfully. Well, <laughs> and I just, I love that Campbell came out and he, you know, he blamed himself on, on the long run for Barkley. But I just, I, I love watching this defense. It, I sit up in my chair. I'm more <laughs> riveted. I'm more in tune. And when the offense comes out, I'm like, uh, biting my nails, sitting back, just, you know, you're like, I don't know. Uh, you're way too nervous for this offense. So it's more for me about, you know, what Bortles and the and the receivers can do um, against, you know, the Pats defense. I, it got a little bit better, but it's not facing Jacksonville. Well, and, you know, last year in the postseason, we saw the Jaguars offense look horrendous against the Bills. The one touchdown pass to Ben Koyak, who's no longer a Jaguar. And they won that game 10-3. to Then they go on the road and they score 45 points against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. So the offense virtually for a lot of the season was very inconsistent. So that part doesn't make me think, well, who they were last week is automatically who mm-hmm. they're going to be this week. And I do think the Giants have a better defense even without Olivier Vernon than the Patriots do. But then again, maybe that's me just tricking myself into thinking because the Patriots let so many talented players go year after year that that's happened again. And we'll get into uh, their offseason moves in a little bit. But I think overall, the biggest concern certainly for Net and can they figure out an offense that's going to be as dangerous if he's not in the game or if he's not 100% healthy? Well, and it puts the spotlight, if that's the case, on two areas. TJ Yeldon and possibly Grant getting some more touches. He only had one on Sunday, and that wide receiving core, which did not really uh, look like they gelled at all. 
Um, there were some really costly drops. Yes. And, and there's nobody who we walked out of there Sunday going, oh, that's the guy. That's the guy right there, and we can count on him to catch the football. Diddy Westbrook had some good things, but he also had some bad drops. Um, Moncrief uh, did not look very good. And Cole, at times, again, were, were they did not, I, I did not feel confident about their chemistry mixing with Blake after Sunday's game. And so I think that, again, they're sitting there going, all right, if he can't go, what do we do next? And there's, again, that wide receiving core still has a lot of questions, I think. They had three crucial drops in the, in the first half. And then not only that, but the offensive line. It, it, I know it's going to take a little while for offensive It was a rough day for Norwell, that's, that's for sure. He, he had a bad first half. I think the second half he got it he got it together a little bit. But then Cam Robinson had a bad second half. And, and Norwell's penalty, he had a, a, a hands-to-the-face penalty, I believe, that negated a touchdown. And it, it, that game felt like it should have been a blowout in the first half, and it wasn't. And they were playing them tough. And, and that's a game that the Giants should win at home. But the Jaguars, as sloppy as it was, penalties, missed tackles, drops, uh, Blake having a sketchy game, but he had a great run, uh, that 40-plus yard run. Uh, but that's a game that you need to come away. A sloppy win is still the same. It, it still counts as a, as a W in the win column. I had really high expectations for Andrew Norwell, uh, the big free agent signing this season. And the left guard, I thought, yeah, didn't perform well. So he was my most disappointing player. Donna, how about you? Disappointing? Yeah, I would have to say. I mean, collectively, the O-line, but I'll agree with you. Norwell, that you're just surprised because you expect so much and you've heard how good he is. And, uh, yeah, no, that didn't show up. Blythe? Yeah, it was just the, the offensive line. Cam Robinson and Andrew Norwell. And, and the offensive line play collectively across the league gets better as these guys play together. And we have to keep in mind that these guys have really only played, what, a, a first half all together, if that. And so it, uh, they never played together in the preseason, all five. Norwell and Cam Robinson, I believe that they played together. Norwell in, and Cam, oh, I thought you meant the whole offensive line. Well, yeah, Nor- Norwell and Cam, they played together in the third preseason game. Uh, but it's going to take naturally for all offensive lines in, in order to, to have some time together, in order to develop that chemistry and, and gel together. But like I said, September win is still a win. I'll just, again, circle back around and lump the wide receiving core together. Dante Moncrief is somebody that I have had and still do have big expectations for again week one 15 more of these to go and then of course the playoffs afterwards but he's the most he's the more experienced of the of uh of those wideouts he is the biggest physically as well and i i mean he they i just was shocked uh at his performance from sunday and the Giants secondary is pretty good but yeah he didn't get enough separation and i thought that he needed to fight harder in that that they had one catch, ball that one catch for 14 yards, yeah. And then and I he thought, was targeted five times. Yeah, I thought linebacker Lorente McCray had an excellent football game. With Dante Fowler Jr. suspended, he usually plays a lot of special teams, not necessarily a lot of, uh, of actual starting linebacking role or start as a starting linebacker. I thought he was, I thought he flashed. I thought he was fantastic. He had one of the two Jaguars sacks. I thought he was terrific. What say you? Barry Church. No one talks about Barry Church because it's always about A.J. Boye or Ramsey. And Barry Church, I was just – every time I looked, he's he's in on the tackle. I mean, he had six solo tackles alone. Yep. So I'm just like, hey, hey, I love that you came up. All right. I'm enjoying it because all the focus was obviously on Ramsey and OBJ. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you just see, you know, Church coming around the corner. So it was great. I think Marone called Church last year something like his – 
like peacekeeper in the back because the other guys can get certainly high, right? You know, loud, all that stuff, and yeah, he's kind of the calm one. Hayden too. He, he filled in for, or he filled in nicely after the, the departure of Colvin in the off season. Hayden filled in really had a couple crucial plays on that last drive to end the game. But my surprise player, I'm going to go Miles Jack. I don't know that it's that much of a surprise because I expected him to have a good game, but 11 tackles and, a, and an interception for a touchdown. I mean, you just you can't ask for a better performance than that. And and what sort of an, an iconic and, and sort of funny moment to have your first real game after the AFC Championship game, after all of the Miles Jack wasn't down hoopla in the offseason, to get a pick six in this game was awesome. Malik Jackson, four tackles on the day for him. Uh, he's obviously a, a huge part of this defense. And look, they, they work so well together. That entire unit just seems in sync. And, and they have so much depth at just about every position that – you can't go wrong picking whoever you decide to pick. So you notice we all went all offense, all offense. We were like, all get it together. Offense. Defense, we're like, all right, that's where you. But again, that's the identity of this team. Mm-hmm. We're not breaking any news here. That's just the reality of it. So I, I went through all the different Patriot stuff. Donna, you won't know all of this by heart, but it's fun for me because I feel like it means that the Patriots aren't as good. There's a lot of no names on that. Roster. Traded wide receiver Brandon Cooks to the Rams. Mm-hmm. Left tackle Nate Solder. Jaguars just faced. Mm-hmm. He's with the Giants. Wide receiver Danny Amendola with the Dolphins now. Cornerback Malcolm Butler and Malcolm Butler and running back Deion Lewis with the Titans. Mm-hmm. Running back Rex Burkhead, Burkhead one positive wasn't able to play much against the Jaguars in that AFC Championship game, but now he's healthy. He had a good game last week. Wide receiver Julian Edelman suspended. Injury wise, they've already had two guys out for the year on IR. Mm-hmm. The guard Isaiah Wynn from Georgia, he suffered a torn Achilles, which is awful. And then running back Jeremy Hill just tore his ACL. Also running back Sony Michelle out of Georgia. Missed week one with a little bit of a knee injury. Not sure how he's going to be this week. All that being said, <laughs> they still went out and took care of business against the Titans. Beat them by a touchdown and, and it's regular old Patriots win again. Tell me what I'm missing. I feel like this Patriots team is not as good as the one the Jaguars faced in the ASU championship game. But tell me what I'm wrong, how I'm wrong. They're not. Um, the post the post-game press conference with Brady was hilarious because they asked him first a question um, about one of the wide receivers, and I don't remember. I think it was Dorsett. And, um, who did have a good game. Yeah, who raved about him. And then, uh, But the, in the face, the facial reaction was very just whatever, very Belichick-like, blah, 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 blah. And so the next question came. He's like, well, I really want to ask you about Gronk, but you really don't seem happy. He's like, I'm not. This offense has a lot to do. We have a lot to work on. And he was not happy. So when you get the mixture of Brady being ticked off, and for some reason, um, Belichick was funny and lighthearted and relaxed. And that's not what I'm normally used to. So it's it's very odd. It seems, I, I don't know, this, this locker room seems very different this year than I'm used to. Um, it kind of seems like, well, this is our last year. That's what it seems like. Hmm. It seems like Brady's determined to get it right, and Belichick's like, whatever, sayonara, you know. I'm going to sail off in my five-ring boat, whatever it's called, you know, and peace out. I compared the 2017 and the 2018 depth charts for the Patriots, and a lot of guys that were second and third string last year are now starting this year. So either they develop their players really well and it's time for them to start, or they really did let this mass exodus of talent go and now they're having backups take over the starting Well, line. and they don't care. You have to – it literally is do your job. The one guy muffed a punt, and he, he was gone yesterday. Riley McCarron. Bye. That's right. That's it. Bye. 
We ask you to do one job, and that's your you job. You had one job. And you didn't do it right. So And you, so today the Patriots down. signed two wide receivers. I should yep. mention them. Wide receiver Corey Coleman, who was a former first-round pick. Browns got rid of him. He went to Buffalo, didn't last there. Right. Now he's certainly hoping he found a good home in New England. And then Benny somebody Fulmer. today. No, it was like, yeah, I think is that who it was? I think Fulmer. Fulmer. But they're also Fowler, yeah. Yeah. Benny Fowler. So um, a, a journeyman guy, too. And they're so, looking to sign another running back just to give them which that makes depth. Sense. Yeah. Especially yeah. now with Jeremy Hill out and Sonny Michelle. But look, it's Houston, though. You're also going up against Bill O'Brien, who Mr. Quarterback Guru can't decide worth crap of what to do. <laughs> so, you know. I have a, I have a question. Um, I heard a stat the other day about Bill Belichick and how there's a theory that in September he experiments far more than any other month during the year or during the season and that he has a win percentage of 66% in the month of September while in December he has an 83% win- or winning percentage in December. So he experiments a lot more in September. Do, does anything come to mind as far because I hear experiment and I, I'm not I don't go to like a play that I, I remember that the Patriots run. No, I would I would suggest probably like what I mentioned with um with the punt return. Hmm. Like like they give you more shots and more chances and then they get it right hmm. later in December. But plus, I mean they they're, they're a, it's a cold weather team, so they can <laughs> you're giving them enough preparation ahead of time and then December comes around they're facing their opponents a second time around and Belichick's percentage of of losing twice in the same yeah. year to the same guy does not. It, it's not very high. I don't even high. know if that's ever happened. It has. And it really has. Mm-hmm. But it's not It's not very high. Yeah. So that would make a lot of sense because in December, that's usually when they're facing Miami again and it used to be Indy again or whoever it is. And Blythe, as far as the Jaguars go, same question, different team, obviously. Jaguars no longer have Colvin, like you mentioned. He goes to the Texans. Then you've got Leon Jacobs, a rookie, starting at strong side linebacker once Paul Pozlesny decided to retire. New nickel corner and DJ Hayden, not a rookie, but new to this team. Left guard Andrew Norwell takes over. Marquise Lee now is out for the season. Both Allen Hearns and Allen Robinson are gone, though Allen Robinson didn't play, of course, in that AFC Championship game. You now add Dante Moncrief, DJ Chark, and then tight ends Austin Safarian Jenkins. Are the Jaguars a better team now than in the AFC I Championship I think they're only game? slightly better, and, and slightly better as far as a personnel-wise goes, but... This was sort of the case last season that they, they, the Jaguars sort of surprised everyone. And this season, it's all about expectations because you're not surprising anyone this year. And the Patriots know you're coming, and we know they're coming. And it, we played each other before in the AFC Championship games. So this is about living up to those expectations and having the weight of the world on your shoulders. And I think that that's where you're going to tell a lot from this team, how far they've grown as far as maturity-wise, as far as focus-wise. I think that's where you're going to see the biggest difference in this team, good or bad. And I do think Blake Bortles has better weapons around him this year. I'm just not sure that they're at the same point as they had gotten to by January of last season, where they all understood their roles. Right now, it's still very early in the year, and a lot of these guys are brand new. And Bortles doesn't have his fallback guy in Mark Heasley. Then again, though, last year he didn't have Allen Robinson, and he learned to work through that. So if Leonard Fournette, though, isn't able to play at all, then obviously scratch kind of the entire offensive plan that the Jaguars have had going into this season with him being kind of the stud of the offense. And then you're going to have to rework everything. And they'll certainly figure that out. They're very smart guys. But I think we are looking at two teams, again, from a very limited knowledge standpoint of of the actual X's and O's. It just looks to me on paper like the Patriots got worse and the Jaguars got better. Yeah, I <sighs> And I always, I'm always real cautious of on paper how teams are supposed to play because 
on paper, the Steelers should have destroyed the Cleveland Browns, and that game ended in a tie. Um, you picked the Browns. I, that was my upset of the week. <laughs> well, she, she wasn't wrong. Hell yes. No, she wasn't. No, I wasn't, Donna. Thank you so much for being on my side. So, I don't – look, the reality is people still fear Tom Brady, and rightfully so, right? You can tell me that there's all these replacements and name all these things. They still have Tom Brady, mm-hmm. and that's that can be terrifying at times. Now, the good news is – the Jacksonville defense has everybody where they're supposed to be. <laughs> Pendrix, if you're get watching you, on YouTube. Get you excited with the pins. <laughs> yes, it does. Anyway, um, yeah, back to you in HD. <laughs> All right, when we come back, uh, because Donna does not often get to Jaguars games, she wants to know what's the one thing she should expect from the fan base. Ooh. And I have a feeling Blythe is going to be the best person to tell her, so we will do that next. You're listening to Helmets and Heels. Built by Doreen Brenner's Homes on 1010XL. You're listening to Helmets and Heels. Built by Dreamfinders Homes. Presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products. On 1010XL, 92.5 FM. Welcome back to Helmets and Heels. Built by Dreamfinders Homes. It is a big Jaguars home game this week. Pat's come to town. And uh, I'm going to the game. I may be only a few days away from uh, giving birth, but I'm excited. And uh, I figured, well, if she's going to come early, might as well just go at the field. Why not? I mean, that'd be a perfect little place. That'd be a great story, right? Yeah, it would be a great be story. There'll be first responders everywhere. I'm, I'm set, man. I'll just say, I'm sorry. Uh, I need Mr. Coughlin. Can you come over here just to, I don't know, bless the baby godfather? So it'd be, be great. It would be a fun little fun little story. Why not? Um, so I only go to a couple games every few years. Um, hard when the husband's out at sea and your son's so young. Um, he doesn't like the loud noises, so I just I, I can't I can't bring him. And uh, so I'm going with my mom. We went last year to the Raiders game, and it was earlier in the season, so we were surrounded where we sat was a, a, by a lot of Raiders fans. Um, to my surprise, that obviously changed later in the season for the Jags, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know to expect, especially uh, with my mom who will be wearing her Brady shirt um, and with whatever I'm going to be able to fit in, mm-hmm. um, I know to expect the Miles Jack wasn't down, which, by the way, Patriot fans don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they really don't. That that's not even a thought in their mind. They're gonna learn all Sunday. So they're just gonna be confused. Like I don't know what you're talking about. They're, you're just gonna confuse them and not. I would say not get a reaction. Really? They don't know? No. Huh? Nope. Not not one ounce. When I talk to my brothers, they're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Yeah, I hear it every day." But <laughs> so I know what I'm talking about. But I'm just letting you know, fans out there, that the majority of the Pats fans, if however many go, um, will not know what you're talking about. But um, so what what can I expect? I love that it's a 425 start. Um, hopefully not as hot as a one o'clock start. Oh, it's going to be 90 degrees. Would be. But what what is what should I look forward to, especially this season? Uh, on the field or in the in the stands? Both. In the stands, I don't know that you're going to have a good time. <laughs> and I don't know that you should have a good time. I don't think you should be threatened. Of course not being pregnant. Um, but there are there probably will be a lot of things shouted at, shouted your way. Uh, that's just what happens. And then maybe if you stand up and show everybody that you're pregnant, maybe they'll, they'll, it'll die down a little <laughs> bit. 
Um, but outside of that, I mean, obviously the field on the play is going to be the most important determining, <laughs> determining factor on right. how you're treated during the game. Um, I would imagine walking in and leaving is going to be the roughest part. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of Patriots fans there. I don't know that it's going to be overwhelming like uh, a Steelers game, uh, but they're, I think they're currently still selling uh, standing room only tickets for about a hundred bucks a piece. Um, I've seen a lot of tickets on StubHub for at least two fifty a piece. I know a, a bunch of fans who have sold their tickets and paid or sold their season tickets and have paid for their entire season tickets just simply by selling tickets to this game. Um, Which is smart play. Yeah, it's really smart play. Yeah. I, I personally wouldn't do it because um, I'm not missing this game. It's been marked on my calendar ever since the last uh, the AFC Championship game. Uh, but I think I, I think you'll be treated relatively fine. It, it's just it's going to be a lot of uh, trash talking. I right. don't know if it's going to be like abusive trash talking. Just I think that with Jaguar fans in particular, we're, we're relatively nice. And even when they traveled really well last season, you know, the Bold City Brigade guys and, and, and all that, they, they said that they were treated extremely well by other away fan bases. So that tells me right. that it's just it's a friendly back and forth versus um, some nastiness that you might hear from like Steelers fans or Raiders fans. And I heard that when they did go to Foxborough last year that it it wasn't a harsh environment like it was in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was mutual respect and, and whatnot. So, I mean, the last time that they were in town years ago, we went as a family and it was not. <laughs> but it, it was really just because of one overserved moron Yeah, um, uh, that wanted to make fun of some of the Pats fans with their chowder head hats and, and stuff like that. Um, so I remember that, but my dad was supposed to go with my mom and he's like, I'm not, I, I know the fan base is going to be out of control. So I don't want to deal with that. I'm like, well, I'll, I feel like it I'll deal on- with it. Cause I don't, it could, we, you're not going to hurt me. I you mean, know, if, you're, if you, it depends on the only sort of aggressiveness that I've seen towards away fans is when the away fan is the aggressor. Right. And that's when that's when I think you got to have a little bit of like a way fan etiquette where you just you, you sit in the stands, you watch your team, you cheer when it's appropriate. Right. Uh, but if you I mean, just don't start. Nothing won't be nothing. I, I agree. There's no Eagles fans coming to this game, <laughs> which, by the way, um, I did see when we were watching uh, all the there's thousands of pregames, you know, CBS and countdown and whatnot. Um, when they were outside of Gillette, one lone Eagles fan. I'm like, what are you doing <laughs> at that game between, you know, and that's what makes me so mad. I'm like, no, your team isn't playing A today and not here. Don't wear that crap well, here. I, I do have a, a buddy who is coincidentally an Eagles fan, and he had he bought season tickets for like five years in a row to the Jaguars just because when he lived up in Philly, he wasn't able to get season tickets, so now that he lives down here and he has such free access to them, then he gets it just to be able to go to an NFL game. And then he'll he'll stay, he'll hang out, he'll watch from his seats, and then he'll go over to like the Bud Zone area and watch the TVs in there, so he can watch all the games. And he comes dressed in his Eagles yep. garb. <sighs> Makes me so mad. Mm-hmm. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you something I've noticed being a transplant here. There's a lot of people who obviously move in from other parts of the country and have allegiances Mm -hmm. to other teams. Mm -hmm. On Sunday, when I came home from the Sawyer Gas kickoff show, uh, driving back into the neighborhood, people are out. They're on their golf carts. They're on their bikes. And I saw Giants jerseys. Mm -hmm. I saw uh, Vikings jerseys. I mean, I saw about every jersey you could think of, of of teams that were in action on Sunday. And so I think it's a little bit different because this is such – a melting pot, if you will, of people that move to the Jacksonville area for a number of reasons, which is pretty cool mm-hmm. also. 
Uh, there isn't this, you're either with us or you're against us mentality. I, I understand the fact that Jag fans, if you come to their games, want you to cheer for the Jaguars, and I can totally understand. But I also, and Blythe, you spoke to this, I would assume there's a mutual respect of, hey, we're not going to like throw crap at you like maybe they do uh, up in Foxborough. I don't know where where they are mean to Probably the opposing Philly. fans. Philly. Philly for sure, right? Pittsburgh. I mean, there's all sorts of places. Uh, how many fights... Have we seen out in Oakland Raiders right. fans losing their minds? The Bills Mafia, for God's sakes, mm-hmm. right? So we know uh, all about them. Yeah. So I think if the, this seems to be a hey, we're here to cheer for our team as long as you're not a jerk, then then wear your jersey and do your thing. And I think when you first sit down, you know, if you're wearing Patriot stuff, I still haven't figured out and determined what you're going to be wearing, <laughs> but uh, try as I might. But I think if you're wearing Patriot stuff, it's it's something, yeah, that you kind of say to people, look, I'm from up in you know New England. I also have a soft spot for the Jaguars. I work for 1010XL. And no matter who loses, if anybody there, no, you know, is our fans, and I say I work for Ten Ten. Oh, you're Donna. We know, <laughs> we know who you are. I know I'll get that. Which, what if, that's fine. What if you do take a, a Jaguars jersey or no a Patriots jersey and make it like a crop top and then paint your belly in Jaguar colors? That's so then you make the baby. Never a ever fan. are you going to see my bear belly <laughs> painted or not? But you, it won't be bare because it's painted. Nope, not be like this, one of the painted models. Not this like two watermelon size <laughs> belly. Um, it was a great weekend though. NFL is back, and I'm so excited. Yes. I love. Love, love. I'm so much more of a bigger NFL fan. However, I have to, I know that we'll talk college football later, but that was an exciting college football weekend for a few games. It, it, it really was. But what surprised you from week one of the NFL? What was the most surprising storyline? It could be disappointing or it can be, you know, you were elated. Uh, I would definitely say the ending to the the Bears Packers game. I think that's that's a, a a definite given. But I'd also say Monday night's game with the Lions. Matt Patricia debuting as a head coach. Stafford's five interceptions. I I really thought that they would have a a, a much better of a performance of a debut performance of all of them together. And I think after the game, it was the the Jets players that said that they knew what the what the Lions yeah. offense was going to go was going to play and or or call according to the different hand signals that they used. I just thought that was fascinating that you're going to have the same hand signals from last season and you're not going to make any kind of adjustments. I, I just thought it, this Lions team has been mediocre for a decade. Matt Stafford has been billed as the next big thing for a decade, and he has not a single playoff win on his resume. Uh, lock of the week was supposed to be the Saints. <laughs> yes. It was supposed to be the Saints. So you're the Bucks are, are terrible. They were supposed to be terrible. Jameis yeah. Winston being out the first three games. Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be a lock. The bearded one, man. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick, what? And don't tell me just because he went to Harvard. That's why he threw for over 400 <laughs> yards and four touchdowns. But what in the world? How did that even happen? Uh, yeah, so I was shocked. I flipped over. or I couldn't watch that game because I don't think we picked it up here. But anyway, I'm keeping up with it on Twitter and things. And I'm like, is this score right? There's no way. And then I'm like, oh, jeez. Another one of my picks gone down the drain. So <laughs> Ryan's Fitzpatrick, good for you. Enjoy your 15 minutes of fame. No way he repeats that performance. Uh, and, and a lot of people are hoping that the Saints, who some people pick to represent the NFC mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl, get it together. and, and get. But again, it's week one. So Yeah, and that is certainly a disappointment for Saints fans because that game was at home. And, yes, and how embarrassing. Don't have jeez. Clinton, but 
terrible. know, we'll see if Jameis Winston gets to be the starting quarterback once his three-game suspension is over. I would say, yeah, between Ryan Fitzpatrick and then last night, Sam Darnold. You throw a pick on your very first drive, and then you come back and not only beat a Lions team with a rookie head coach, but he was the second quarterback mm-hmm. behind Tom Brady to win his first game by at least 31 points, and he set a record, a franchise record, for the most points scored in a road game. As a rookie starting his very first game, the Jets seem to have stumbled upon a franchise quarterback again. Week one, it's, it's hard to say he's going to be outstanding the rest of the season, but the Jets weren't expected to be very good. The Lions certainly have much higher expectations. What about your boy, Jimmy G.? He's my disappointment. I know, I know right? But Him and Deshaun his, Watson. I will, terrible. I will go in his defense. It, he's going up against the second best defense. Because I say Jack's the best. three picks. I know. First loss. <laughs> I, I was, I, it's his they figured out first the loss. I was like, Jalen oh. Ramsey was right. It was all scheme. Um, uh, Man, I got to go with the Cowboys. Womp, oh, man, they're a disaster. Um, which I kind of enjoyed because who likes Jerry Jones? Other than I, cowboy fans. Yeah, and I enjoy it. Uh, Most well, aren't you a Cowboys fan? Like, no. The Dallas fan in the room, we won't mention her by name, is not a huge Jerry Jones fan currently. So Wait, you're a Dallas fan? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I grew up, look, I grew up in Arkansas. There, that's a huge Dallas Cowboys fan base. Oklahoma. All, I mean, there's so many ties between mm-hmm. Arkansas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State players who played in Dallas. One that's out on the free market right now that the Jags might consider. So you, don't even, so you don't even like Jerry Jones? No, I mean, I don't. That... That is like one big soap opera after right. another. They're going to be eight and eight probably every year, and uh, they're they got bad problems. I that mean, whole place is a disaster. That the, the offense is inept. Yeah, stationary. They couldn't go Jack anywhere. Is the guy. <sighs> yeah, I mean, yeah, because they've committed to him being the guy. But the play calling, the, the Ezekiel Elliott should run all mm-hmm. over the place, and he sure didn't. The wide receivers. I mean, that used to be kind of the bread and right. butter of their offense, and they're, they were stationary. How so. did Alan Hearns look? I didn't get to watch. I watched some of it, mm-hmm. but um, I, and I, I couldn't tell you. I'd have to go back, but but when we only score eight points. I mean, that's kind yeah, of not, not, the story, not right? He, <laughs> had, he had three one targets catch. and only caught one yeah, ball there for you 20 go. yards. Yeah. By so. the way, Giants at the Cowboys this Sunday night. That's Ugh. the Sunday night game. That'll be a fun game because the Jaguars obviously have faced the Giants already, and then the Jaguars do go on the road this season and play the Cowboys. By the way, Donna, it was driving me crazy. I couldn't remember. The Jaguars played the Raiders two years ago. So you experienced a completely different fan base. I was trying to go through, and I was like, I don't think I remember the Raiders game last season. And I remember Blythe talking about how disappointed she was in the Jaguars. Yes, I do remember that game. That was two years ago. And so you experienced a fan base that – that was, was not Bradley still. It was all Raiders Correct. fans. And that was, right, that was not the same fan base that you'll experience on Sunday. Completely different vibe in the stadium. Completely different atmosphere. Just go uh, easy on me. That's all. I was and so I, angry I, after again, that game. I don't think any, I'm not going to throw any shade in anybody's face. I think it is ridiculous if any fan yells at a fan without someone starting something. Right. Like if mean, you're just cheering for your team. A lot of times people are just having fun with it, though. That, or they get the hammered is, and then well, they Well, trash talking is different. I mean, like, yelling. Like, yeah. like if someone yells at yeah. Donna, they, that person needs to be ejected. Has a fight ever broken out <laughs> that you've seen in the stands? No. No? Okay. No. I just was curious. Mm-hmm. I've seen people get ejected, but it's usually either between throwing something they shouldn't uh, or being way too intoxicated yeah. and yeah. then the police need to get them out of there. Escort well, I, I sit in a section that's largely the same. Like a, We have like a season ticket crew. section, yeah. and, and it's it's largely the same people every single season. So I, I imagine that 
I mean, uh, you're sitting in you're you're sitting on the away side, right. so on on that side, I imagine it fluctuates a, a little bit differently with a lot of the in guys that are coming and going. By the way, I don't know exactly what this means, but Jalen Ramsey tweeted out nine minutes ago. Lauren, I know you can't see it. Thank you. Stay tuned for the <laughs> NHL 2.0, NHL and 2.0 collaboration because he's 2.0. Nice. And then the Ios emoji, and then hashtag I love hockey, hashtag nothing but respect. <laughs> well, so what happened is the uh, NHL. Out. Yeah, no, no, no. As, as well they should have. Oh, and, and Patrick Subban, uh, who is a Predators uh, defenseman, he uh, tweeted at, or not tweeted, but they made a video on Uninterrupted, which is LeBron James, Maverick mm-hmm. Carter's new new company, and they interviewed Jalen last week. And and I guess the hockey world is like all up in arms about what Jalen said, and they're they're so these guys pretend to be so tough, but they're so just triggered by what Jalen is saying. So I bet they're going to come out with with some kind of training exercise. Hopefully it's after the season, not during the season, because I don't want Jalen getting hurt trying to skate. Do you think you guys could name more hockey players than Jalen Ramsey? I could. Yes. I could. Only because my kid plays. Only because my kid plays. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, Sidney right, Crosby, enough, P.K. Subban. I love that the NHL is talking about Ramsey. And they should be, the NHL That's should great. be thanking him because no one is thinking about the NHL right now in August and September. By the way, in case anybody wants to know, another MLB pitcher has hand, foot, and mouth. Oh. What? Is something that? going on in those lockers. I'm those sorry. Ki- it's. Does this one have a – who is it? Uh, is Brad it Peacock of uh, the Astros. Usually the kids bring it home. That's where they get it. Ashlyn Sullivan joins us now. Ashlyn, you are 1-0 and as digital reporter and host of Jaguars.com. How does that feel? <laughs> it feels great. I can't take credit for it, sadly, but it is good to start off with a win, that's for sure. I think you can absolutely take credit for it because didn't you pick <laughs> the Jaguars to beat the Giants? I did, yes. All right, so there you go. We're all, we'll all take credit if we picked it correctly. All right, let's Deal. start with a dose of Daily's Place. What can you tell us about the big ticket concert announcement? Yes, it was just um, announced the other day. It's presented by 106.5. It's going to be December 1st, and it's going to be a few bands. We're going to have Weezer, Boss the People, and three other bands at Daily's Place. And tickets are going to go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. So it's great that it gives people a lot of variety when they want to come see a concert for one day. Excellent. And then the kickoff concert weekend gets started. Does it get started Thursday night when I'll be there, or are they going to start it before I get there? Before, yes. Tomorrow is Deep Purple in Judas Priest, and you're going to see Dirk Bentley, Brothers Osborne, and Atlanco on Thursday night. And then to wrap up the weekend, you have Sting and Shaggy joining forces for one concert. So, yeah, a really busy weekend at Daly's Place, getting everyone excited for a home opening weekend. Did you say Sting and Shaggy? Yes, quite the combo, That's I know. Awesome. When I saw the this announcement, ago, I, thought, I thought it was a mistake, to be honest. Like, there's no way. But now seeing them, I've saw, seen some clips of them performing together, and it's really cool. I mean, they do their songs together and their sounds together, so it's pretty cool stuff. Please tell me that Sting is going to sing It Wasn't Me. He's got to. He's yeah. got to sing that. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be cool. And Ashlyn, this is kind of a part of of the whole tailgating weekend and the festivities in Jacksonville. Daily's Place was really started to have these concerts kind of kick off the weekend, right? Say that again, I'm sorry? The Daily's Place concept of having concerts before games was kind of to start the whole weekend of festivities, right? Right, yeah. They're trying to get that geared up for almost the entire season, booking concerts before home games, trying to get it just... A place to be on the weekends, not just on game day, but the entire weekend. Yeah, they're doing it big at home opening weekend, that's for sure. I love it. All right, now let's get it to the football teams. 
The Patriots do come in, kick off at 425 this Sunday at TIA Bank Field. What do you expect us to see from this Jaguars offense? I think the Jaguars offense, it really all depends on whether Leonard Fournette is going to play or not. I think the game plan, they're going to have two separate game plans on whether he plays or not. I think if he doesn't play with that injury, I think you're going to see a lot more screen passes to tight ends. You're going to see a lot more of Corey Grant. We didn't see much of him at all last week, but if they're only relying on two running backs now with TJ Yeldon and Corey Grant, I think you're going to see a lot more from him, which is think it will excite fans because we've been getting a lot of questions, you know, where the heck is Corey Grant? Because he has done so well in the past. So I think it all really boils down to that question, whether Leonard Fournette is going to be able to go with that hamstring injury. But if he's not, I know they're going to have a totally separate game plan that should be successful. Ashlyn, after the game, we saw a few players on both sides exchange jerseys uh, and take pictures. And I know that uh, Twitter world kind of had a beef with it. They don't really like it. What did you, What was your take on it? I think it's great. I love seeing the players support each other. We were just talking about it this morning. Calais Campbell has been really vocal on Twitter, supporting players getting contracts and watching games. He was talking about Khalil Mack's new contract and how he's balling out. I think it's great because I don't think it's necessary for players on opposing teams to really not like each other. Maybe not during the game. It would be great, but after the game, I mean, everyone hyped up that Odell Beckham Jr. versus Jalen Ramsey matchup, and at the end of the game, they're exchanging jerseys. I think it's all about just a mutual respect for each other. You don't have to necessarily like each other's personalities and like each other as a whole, but if you have mutual respect for each other in the game you guys are playing, then I have no problem with it. You had an interview earlier in the week with Dante Fowler, and this will be his first game back after serving the one-game suspension. So what should fans expect from him this weekend? He seems to have, I don't want to say grow up is the wrong term, but he has seems to have a new fire under him. I mean, he played so, so well in that AFC championship game against the Patriots. I think we're going to see a huge week from him. He just seems to have a new focus about him. Maybe it's the off-the-field stuff that he went through. Maybe that's behind him. We all hope it is. But it just seems like he has a new fire with him this season. Ashlyn, what happens Sunday when the Patriots come to town? I think the Jaguars can pull it off. I think that this defense is so, so dominant, and they're so focused. They, I mean, we've heard so many players say, you know, that we had a 10-point lead in the AFC Championship game, and it's the defense's fault that they didn't make it happen. We hear that from the defense itself. So I think you're going to see a similar game plan where they're going to rely heavily on that defense. I think if we, there's a lead with the Jaguars, the Jaguars are going to protect that lead. Also, I think home factor has a huge, huge factor in it. I mean, if the Jaguars played that well in Foxborough in the playoffs, to have that home field advantage, I think, is going to make a huge difference. And, you know, one player, Ashlyn, that honestly I'm not sure if he gets enough credit is kicker Josh Lambeau. Two yes. for two. If he wasn't two for two, Jaguars don't necessarily have as good of a chance to win that game. What do you think about him? I think he's been fantastic. And, you know, he really is a guy that just grinds in silence and is successful. The thing about kickers is, you don't really talk much about them until they start performing poorly. And then all of a sudden, that's all you focus on. So Josh Lambeau, we actually did an event with him uh, about two months ago. And he was asked, you know, what do you, when you have these big kicks and it, the game's on the line, do you feel the pressure? Does the pressure get to you? And he looks at me and he goes, Ashlyn, pressure's for the unprepared. Mm-hmm. And leaves it at that. And, like, <laughs> drops the mic and walks off the stage. He's just so focused <laughs> and cares so much about his success that he just, he grinds in silence, and I'm always, I've always been really impressed with him. Yeah, and I've always said that if you can be a kicker at a, you know, in a major league soccer program, on a major league soccer team, or not a kicker, but a, a keeper, then you understand the pressure when it's one-on-one. Oh, on yeah. One. Yeah, and he, he said before, you know, 
soccer, the game of soccer, is just it's all about pressure, especially when you're a goalkeeper. So he definitely knows how to deal with the pressure of being an NFL kicker. All right, well, let's hope on Sunday it doesn't come down to a Josh Lambeau field goal that the Jaguars have enough of a lead that his leg is not that important. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, Ashlyn. Of course. See you guys this weekend. All right, yes, ma'am. It is the Jaguars v. Patriots on Sunday. That is Ashlyn Sullivan, digital reporter and host of Jaguars.com. All right, JJ, take it away. say that one's kind of easy. First person to text into the 1010XL text line driven by Duval Ford wins tonight's Peterbrook Chocolate Heel. That is 641-1010. You want one of those Peterbrook Chocolate Heels this time of year. Oh, so delicious. All right. I think we sh- I should get to sample one because I'm new. I absolutely think you should. And you know what? I found out today we are getting a new shipment Perfect. in very soon. So I'll make sure they're not poisoned, so I will take one for the team <laughs> and make sure they're uh, Sacrifice well, yourself. Yes, well enough to give out to the listeners. You know yes. they make white chocolate, dark chocolate, and milk chocolate. What? So test all three. Yeah. I don't necessarily recommend bringing it to a tailgate. I don't, I don't know melt. if It'll you melt. really want to share it. I so. love frozen chocolate. Like, yeah, put it what? in your freezer. No, don't ooh. Uh, you take a candy bar and mm-hmm. stick it in the freezer, mm-hmm. a Hershey's bar, and Reese's peanut butter cups in the freezer. That's what's up. I'm anti-cold desserts like that. Hmm. I was going to say ice cream? Well, no, no, yeah. I love ice cream. <laughs> I had ice cream last night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Blythe, Ashlyn was one of the people that you interviewed in this recent edition of Void Magazine, correct? Yeah, uh, Void usually puts out, and, and before I, uh, I don't know if a lot of people know, but before I uh, ever started in radio, I was editor-in-chief at Void Magazine, which is a local like North, Cor- no, North Florida culture and lifestyle magazine. And every year, they usually put out a Jaguars issue. But after the success of last season, they bumped up the Jags issue to the end of this past season. So I think it was February and March that they did a full Jaguars issue, which was fantastic. Um, so this year's issue, they couldn't do the same thing. So what they decided to do was do a strength and sports issue. And the theme of the whole issue is really centered around women and their roles within sports all over uh, the First Coast. And so what you have is you have like a female wrestler that's featured in there. You have um, women who work for the the Iceman and the Shrimp. And, and then you have a three actually a three-page spread with women in sports broadcasting who have local Jacksonville ties. So I got a chance to talk with uh, Alyssa Lang, Jessica Blaylock, Mackenzie Thurkill, uh, Kelly Hawkins, all these women who work in sports media and broadcasting and sort of got to tie it all together with our show, which is sort of, not sort of, it definitely is unique as far as the whole country is concerned. And, and credit to 1010 for giving a platform to women in order to, to voice, not just read the news, but, but voice their opinions. And, and that was really sort of the goal of this article is, is, is how, do you, how do you grow in your sports broadcasting career? How do you balance that, that role of, of reading the news versus giving your opinion? And, and where do you see sort of the industry going? And, and my only regret about this article is that it wasn't longer. And you're sort of limited as far as you know, the, the, the print world is concerned. But all of these women had so many great stories to tell. And we're going to have some bonus video interviews coming soon on that. But obviously you ladies work in, in sports media broadcasting. You have for several years. But I wanted to kind of get y'all's perspective on, you know, what, what's the most challenging situation you've ever faced as far as working in sports media and what did you learn from it? That's I think a... just getting into the door. I think that was the first because when I first started here at 1010, there were no females. Hmm. Um, and the station was about a year old. Um, and I remember sitting down with the then manager um, and 
the questions to me were just so stupid. Didn't he ask you like what the Stanley Cup was or yes. something? Yeah, he that was his first question. If you can't tell me what this is, then you can just walk out of the room. I'm like, who asked you this? He's no longer here. Oh, somebody. Okay. <laughs> yes. um, she would not throw. And I, and I looked at him like, did I miss the name bus? that we threw somebody under the no. bus? I okay, looked gotcha. at him like, you know, he was, he asked me, you know, what color is the sky? Because I'm like, are you talking about the Stanley Cup? Okay, then we can continue. Like, really? You, know, you got to pop like, quick before how, even. Yeah. Um, so it was just, just getting in the front door, mm. you know, and being able to. You're like, yeah, I'm a girl that likes sports and no sports. So, yeah. and but that's it. Uh, I've, this is my third sports talk station to work for. I work for two in the Tulsa area. The first one, I was the first female to do anything uh, at all at that place. And um, when my time there came to an end, it it was really kind of controversial for me personally because um, they, my boss at the time called me in and said, we can't have you be on air as much anymore. And I said, why? And he goes, I don't really know. Uh, and couldn't give me a reason and even said the words, I don't think it's because you're a woman though. And I thought, and scene. So, uh, they wanted me to stay on as the producer. And I said, no, I, I kind of, when you hired me, I kind of told you what my dreams and aspirations were. And if you're taking away my voice, not based on any complaints or anything, then I I'll be miserable sitting behind the microphone to where I had earned my place a year and a half into this. And so um, I think the scariest thing for me was walking away and not having somewhere else to go. And I knew I wanted to do something next because Tulsa didn't have very many options. And then this new station presented itself. I will say this. um, Once you can get established and once people recognize, and 1010 does a great job of doing this, recognizing that, that women don't have to be typecast in roles that are traditionally filled by mm-hmm. women in sports, that it opens a whole new area. And, and, and it's amazing that Helmets and Heels provides that. It's, it is so unique, and it's opinion-based, and it's not us reporting on the news or reporting on the sports of the day and then walking out of here. It's giving your opinion on what happens because very it's still such a small market that women are able to actually do that. And I, for one, uh, try not to take that for granted every day. Yeah, I think the hardest part is is twofold. One, getting projects and very quickly having to be able to digest information that you've never really paid attention to before. And so whether you're thrown into a sideline and you've never covered those teams or you're thrown into a television uh, stage and they say, okay, this is what you're going to do, ready, set, go. I'm somebody who I like to over-prepare and sometimes overthink, but I still like to be fully prepared. That's how I always was in school. And so in this world, there is no such thing. If breaking news happens, you have to be able to, to react And so that's a challenge that I find. But as far as like overall, I think having to work through and and kind of wait your turn and watch other people succeed while you're still kind of in the background, that was always really hard for me because I always was taught, you know, if you work really hard, you'll be, you know, one of the best ones in whatever job it is. And that's not necessarily how it is. If you're not great on air at the beginning, they're not necessarily going to give you that microphone. And you have to earn your stripes, especially in small companies and I think people take for granted that, right, we have a show where we get to do this on a weekly basis where so many other, not just women, but guys too are grinding and toiling and they've never gotten that opportunity. Hmm. 
That's interesting to take because that was one of the the tips. I think it was uh, Alyssa Lang that said that she has to be what's called a multimedia journalist, and she has to write her script. She has to do the video editing. She yeah. has to shoot it herself, and that she's commonly seen, well, was commonly seen walking around uh, Everbank or now TIAA Bank Field, and she's carrying the camera and she's carrying all of her gear, and she's responsible for that that, that two minute clip that you see on a news broadcast is probably just took three hours of work, and then she had to spend four hours in like the Jacksonville heat and humidity and their hair is a mess and her makeup is a mess and but she has to go on camera and deliver and and be presentable and and that's and she'll be judged just as all women are more harshly i believe than a lot of the men do Mm -hmm. right it's especially on the tv side of things guys can up until a certain point look just about any way they like but women there's usually a a specific way they all look and Mm -hmm. it's thin and it's hair and makeup and everything looks perfect when in reality we're all humans and we have our flaws and unfortunately we're judged on them more harshly than men are. And this weekend was the first sort of official, official, I think, college football weekend. It's, you know, we had the Labor Day weekend where, you know, the games all spread out over the first, you know, four days or whatever. And then this weekend was the first like, yeah, real college game day experience. You got a whole lineup of games. So I'm I'm settling in for a weekend of football and I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. And then I start watching throughout Saturday and I was bored out of my mind on Saturday, with the exception of one game, Clemson, Texas A&M. The rest of the games were all blowouts. And then, but the end of Sunday, I'm watching a full slate of NFL games, and I didn't want to go to sleep. Like I didn't want that Bears Packers game to end. I just it was so much fun on NFL Sunday, and so I, I I was a little frustrated over my wasted Saturday that I spent in front of the television. And I I, I tweeted out as you know one does. Uh, my frustrations about, you know, I, I felt that the NFL, the viewing experience and the entertainment value and the parody in the NFL is significantly better than the college game. But I also thought that you guys are obviously, the Lawrence are huge college football fans. So what am I missing as far as the college experience is concerned? I was bored out of my mind on Saturday. And my team won. Well, the first weekend, honestly, was a better slate than this past weekend. So I think you would have been more entertained if you had tuned in that first weekend. But overall, for me, it's a it's a passion about not just one entity. Like, it's not just Florida that I'm passionate about. I love the pageantry of almost every single big matchup in college football. So, yes, there are going to be blowouts. But, like, I was riveted by Georgia, South Carolina. I was having a blast. It was blast, a blowout. But, it, it, but it's, I was still having a blast watching that game. Are, are you intently watching? Or do you, do you have, like, things going on? Like, maybe, you know, maybe by the pool or by the beach? Or, or are you intently, like, because I was sitting in front of the television, like, intently watching. And I'm like, I'm bored. Yeah, I mean, we were we were at a friend's house, so the games on. We're watching, we're talking about the game, so I, I guess that's intently. But it, I mean, it's a different watching than how I watch a Jaguars game because with a Jaguars game, I'm trying to remember everything to talk about mm. it. I'm not going to have to break down UCLA Oklahoma like that. But I am I am absolutely enjoying myself so much watching all that. But I'm also enjoying myself on Sunday too. So for me, I I'm just excited. I can enjoy myself watching a high school football game. I just love the game of football. I think some all, <clears throat> something that also gets lost in this, especially the first couple of weeks, is there is no preseason with college football. There aren't the duds, the games that, that are, are scheduled in that don't count. All these games count. for Every single game counts for these teams. 
And to start off the non-conference, they're going to be some really lopsided, boring games. For me personally, because I grew up in a college football first town, because I went to a school where the university was the center of said town. The university. Um, exactly. It, um, it, college football, it was kind of a first love for me. I mean, I just, I loved everything about it. But also the Dallas Cowboys were also a first love for me. So I've always had kind of a mutual interest in both. Um College football is an opportunity for most of those guys won't go on to do anything else. There's the upsets that happen, the oh-my-God moments, the kicker who's a walk-on who is 28 years old because he's he grew up in um, Australia and he's come over and he has eligibility. I mean, the crazy storylines that you don't get traditionally in the NFL because those it's a business and it's about making money and could, uh, putting good products on the field. Now, the NCAA, absolutely, and college football is a business as well. Don't get that part confused. Yeah, because that was what a couple fans were saying. Well, oh, the college game is no, no, significantly no. better because the players don't get paid. I'm like, mm, let's not sit here and pretend these coaches ain't out here trying to get paid. Right. No, I mean, the, the money the money factor is still there. But I think I can, I can appreciate both. I really do. The, I mean, there's NFL games that are boring to me that are – Bills-Ravens. Terrible. I mean, that, it's, absolutely. <laughs> that one was a terrible but I could, game. But right? I would watch that game and have really? fun. See, if I, I don't have – None of I, those college games if were I, fun to me. Okay, if I don't have a direct tie to – as in I don't have to talk about whatever game it is for work the next week, um, and it's not competitive, and it's 8 o'clock at night, and I want to watch something else, I'll turn on something DVR that, or, or flip to Netflix mm-hmm. versus – it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's college football Saturday. We'll flip, and we'll find a game, and we'll jump from this screen to this screen and that screen. And uh, is Florida playing? Oh, they have already. They don't play till tonight. Okay, good. Florida State. All right, check, check. What time does Oklahoma State play? Because obviously personal rooting interest. And then I just kind of roll with it. But when it comes like nighttime, and if there's not a game that interests me, I for both the NFL or college football, then I'll just kind of go, hey, do you want to watch something else that you know doesn't That was my football? frustration. I was like, I just wasted my entire Saturday watching a bunch of blowouts. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. (laughs) I I can't offer – I mean, as conference play goes on, and some of those matches hopefully won't be. Now, look, if you're a fan of the SEC East, you can forget about it because Georgia's going to roll everybody. But the SEC West should be entertaining. I just like – I mean, I like the idea of of getting on Twitter and somebody being like, get to – fill in the blank right now. Get to CBS Mm -hmm. right now. Appalachian State all the is games about to, yeah, whatever, and you're like, oh my god, this is crazy. So that's kind of where I stand with it. Yeah, I've always thought there's a there's a different level of passion when it comes to both sports. They they are equally passionate, but the fan base. Are you are. from here? Where, where yeah, did you born and Okay, and Donna, you're from Rhode Island. You're from, okay, not college football towns. No, no, and and that and was another proximity for you. Right, I mean, there's teams yeah. that you could choose to root for. No, but, but I've but I've, I literally grew up. Jacksonville's in Fay- a big college football town. I mean, there's massive teams it's just in not this a, area. Right, it's not a it's not a co- college football first town anymore because the Jags are here. I mean, there's no. It's a bigger city than like Gainesville, Tallahassee. Okay, right. Those small right. towns where the but college. I literally most grew up in Fayetteville, where the University of Arkansas is, and I went to Oklahoma State in Stillwater, where there's nothing outside of those two. You know, as far as rooting interest. That's what, you know, anyway. So so for mm-hmm. me, it was kind of what was on and what your parents did, you know, cheered for. And it was fun and it was t- tailgates and let's sure. go watch the game and whatever. So. Well, and it, it's hard to compare, like, the Jaguars to a team, let's say, like, 
Stanford, Oklahoma, Michigan, Ohio State. I'll, I'll use non-SEC or ACC teams. Those schools have so much tradition. Yeah. The Jaguars have a little bit right. amount of tradition, but this second wave of Jaguars fans that are now growing into, especially the ones who are paying attention well, this, now. This should be a big league good, town. I mean, you've got a big league NFL team. That's going to develop into the same passion that I think other families have had for certain schools, the affinity for certain schools, right? Like when I was born, both my parents, my aunt and uncle all went to Florida. So I grew up going to Gator games. Jaguars didn't come around until we were in middle school. So I I missed the same amount of time being a Jaguars fan as I was a Gators fan and going actually to Gainesville. I have developed the exact same amount of passion for the Jaguars as I have for Florida. And I think people can have both. I just think for some reason people get really one-sided or the other. And I think if you're a diehard NFL fan – you at some point have to appreciate the college game because that's where your next star is going to be. Yeah, but my my thing is more from just an entertainment value. Like, I I can watch the majority of NFL games and be highly entertained. With the college game, I'm I'm not... What entertains you about the NFL? Maybe because you know more of the players? Uh, Well, it's the best of the best. Uh, I know more of the storylines. There's greater parity in the NFL. I mean, at college, outside of a handful of teams, you have zero shot at winning a national championship. And, And to me as a fan, like... Why even pay attention? Like, why why spend your Saturdays supporting a school when you know that if you're not Ohio State, if you're not Georgia, if you're not Alabama, you have zero shot at winning a national championship? Well, there are other teams that certainly have a shot. But a handful, max. But there's probably— It's about beating your rival. It's about winning your conference. You know, there's so much more— I mean, when in college football, the games are so much more important. I don't. It doesn't matter if you're like in a lower conference or whatever. You only have. 11 yeah. games, 12 games. Four if you years. lose one, if Clemson yeah. loses against Texas A&M on Saturday, their season could be potentially over. In the NFL, you lose 7 games, you go to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, there's not There's some bad teams around that make it. the playoffs. The games the aren't nearly as important in the NFL until you get to yeah, late the regular in the season. season in the NFL. But what are what's And the... and entertainment-wise, the offenses in college are always like goofy, crazy. There's right. always off-the-wall stuff. Of course, there's more blowouts because there is you know, bigger Talent teams disappeared. playing. Yes, yeah. but there's mm-hmm. also a bazillion games on. You can choose to find not a blowout. I mean, college football, entertainment-wise, I would say, is above and beyond better than the NFL because I, parody makes everybody equal, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's better. But it, it gives you a chance for hope, and hope translates for a lot of different fan bases, not just for, for your own. And if the, the, the college game, to me, if, if, if the games are so important week in and week out, I mean, you lose one, again, what's the point of watching for the rest of the season? But if you've lost a game and you know you're not one of those five teams. You because were, I think that's the – You were – sorry – you were a season ticket holder when the, you knew the Jaguars weren't going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So someone could say, you know, you knew your team wasn't going to win. Why support them? But, that's the question you're asking. But that's also the, the, the part of tradition that, that college fans always sort of go back to. There, there's a tradition in the NFL, too, that, that, that you can go and you all are you. And I got into it sort of a debate with this other guy last night that you arguably as a, an NFL fan, you have to support your team over any players. And, and I think that that's part of the, the story with a lot of college fans. A lot of college teams is that you support the good stories and the good players, but with the NFL, you have to support your team more than anything because those players can leave and walk out the door and go to another team, and and that was a, a, a big sort of I guess turning point. But you support as, your school even if the quarterback I mean, those, transfers, which yeah. happens all the time nowadays. You know, you well, never leave only your there school. There are maximum four years anyway, so right. that, so it's always constantly turning. Yeah, over. but I mean, in the end, 
I'm just glad it's football season. That's all I have to say. Hopefully you enjoyed that best of show. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to the Guys Grow Media podcast and YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our fantastic football season content coming along with some bonus material all throughout the season. Until next time, this is your girl Blythe signing off. Go Jags and beat the Turds.